Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. It's our last episode of 2017, so we'll unpack some key events. We'll also wrap up with a top drawer TV and give you some recommendations for the holidays. It's time for a top three turf war. So since 2017 is coming to an end, we thought, huh, what were some movies that reminded us of, of what 2017 is defined by? Uh, obviously, there's a lot to unpack from this year. Were there movies in the past that could have prepared us for this or that remind us of this crazy year of 2017? Or were there, hey, maybe there were some outliers of 2017 that define what the movie landscape was, what the political landscape was, or generally how everybody was feeling. So Ivana, in this top three turf war, why don't you take us with your number three pick? My number three pick is, I think, a little bit of what people were hoping for from 2017, and that is the movie Dave. Oh yeah, we were sort of hoping the the, na- the naive guy finds his way in and all of a sudden starts making the country better. Exactly. I think that uh, what people are really searching for and what people have sort of mentioned that they're really tired of is the politics of everything. And people want someone who's a little bit more of an everyman representing every person in, you know, the land. And I think that Canada, in a lot of ways, had that year with Justin Trudeau at the helm of Canadian politics. And I think the the America had the opposite, but that's what they really wanted. That's a really good one. I, I did definitely think of Dave. I thought about a lot of political films this year because of how politicized everything was. Um, but I didn't actually, I, I definitely have some in my honorable mentions, but I didn't land on a a particularly political film in my top three. Um, but I love that Dave is in yours. I love that film. Ivan Reitman, you're my hero. I ate at your restaurant a couple months ago and it was delicious. And what, took, What's his restaurant? Uh, it's Montecito in Toronto. And basically like all around the restaurant are black and white shots from all of his movies, including Dave. So I was super excited to see that. And uh, I love that Ivan Reitman film. If you haven't seen Dave... It is so good uh, and and optimistic and hopeful. Dave is optimistic and hopeful, and I think that people are hungry for it. We ended 2016 joking that 2016 was such a horrible year, um, and I think that just speaks to the hunger of the people for hope. I like it. My number three leans a little bit more towards that uh, the sexual harassment and abusers and uh, these women who have come out. Um, And I thought about where that starts because I'm a guy. It starts with kind of how our culture is. And I thought back to some of the films like in the company of men and swingers and things like that. And I really nailed it. I think with Roger Dodger and Roger Dodger is my number three pick because it's all about this teenage boy who doesn't know how to interact with women and goes to his uncle who is almost a predator because his predatory actions, uncle always gets girls and He starts to learn from him over the course of a night. I think that most guys, 
learn this behavior from other guys. I think it's not coming from my mom uh, and it not necessarily is coming from my dad because dads are usually absent. But I think this awful behavior stems from guys being around guys who are doing better than they are, but you don't see all the angles of how creepy that is. And Roger Dodger really shows that. Uh, And by the end, you hate Roger, who is the uncle. And you love that this teenager is kind of going his own way. And 2017, we have to be that teenager, Jesse Eisenberg, by the way, going our own way. And that is, uh, that's why Roger Dodger is my number three, because we have to start unlearning and doing our own thing uh, as guys going forward. I, it's interesting. I've never, I've never seen this movie. I've never heard of this movie before now. I'm just checking it out on IMDb and it looks pretty fun and like a great movie. And honestly, most of the time, anything Jesse Eisenberg agrees to do, I am going to like it. I I think I share his taste in the roles that he chooses, especially earlier in his career when he was doing a lot of indie stuff. I think that's a great pick. Thank you. I really want to see this movie. Now, what's your number two? My number two, it's another political one. Uh, it's Wag the Dog. Love and Wag the Dog. Great movie. I couldn't movie. put Justin Hoffman in this list, though, because he's such a hero of me. But I feel like, to hell with you, Hoffman. Like, oh, he just creeps me out right now. And And there was another story that came out today that was actually assault. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's, it's shitty, you know? It's shitty that he's in that movie, but maybe also really 2017 that he was in this movie. You're right. Here's he's back, Des- in, back in the, the, the forefront. Yeah, like, he's he is absolutely one of those people who abused his power for his own personal gain. This movie is all about abusing power in order to basically create lies, divert people's attention... Um, so that they're not thinking and looking at the thing that's going to make them like the issues that are important for today, but they're looking at the other things. So I think this movie in some ways represents two things. One, Dustin Hoffman's in it. He's been very much a big part of the discussion of 2017. And two, I think that Trump has been utilizing diversionary tactics. Um, even, even if you take him at his word, on the things that he says he did and didn't do, which I don't. Um, But let's say you do. At minimum, you've got him, you know, stating in a book that women are flirting with him, whether they're conscious of it or not. Let me tell you, um, there is no such, that is, that is the definition of rape culture right there. Like, oh yeah, they're, they're flirting with me, even if they don't know they're flirting with me. That's like saying, oh yeah, she wanted to be assaulted, even if she didn't know it. Um, Why don't you just come out and say she was wearing a dress that was a little too high. So obviously she wanted me. Exactly. So I I think that this movie really does represent 2017. Um, and, And then specifically this ability to say fake news. In addition, all of the sexual assault allegations can be added to this film, even though that's not because that that is what it's about, right? Like it, well, the yeah, president is in a sexual scandal. It's all about, oh my God, he did this awful thing with a minor. How do we get out of it? Right. And then that brings in Roy Moore and all the recent stuff. And so I think this movie just is layered upon different aspects of the fact that 
we are living in a time where we are being exposed to propaganda. And let's just throw it on top. Uh, the John Oliver and Dustin Hoffman thing went down at the 25th anniversary of Wag the Dog. So it yes. totally makes sense it being on your list. I, I applaud you for putting it there. So my number two uh, plays on the media. It's a small 1951 film called Ace in the Hole by director Billy Wilder. Yeah, that guy who did Sunset Boulevard. Okay, so this movie was recommended to me about two years ago. I checked it out and I loved it. Basically, it's about this guy who falls into a mine and there's this cave-in and it's just this really small town and this crazy journalist goes to cover it and makes it a media circus blows up the story will he live will he die and it's all this crazy sensationalized media story until finally people are like well we're bored of this now what's next and i think we've seen this for years in the media but nothing could prepare us for trump being in office and what is the next story what's the next sensationalized thing of this 24-hour news cycle going to be I hesitated putting it on because it's an older movie. Likely people haven't seen it. Uh, you should see it. But is it like that was from the 50s? That is 60 plus years ago. Nothing has changed. Yeah, I think if anything, it sounds like that was a foreshadowing because in the 50s there wasn't 24 hour news. And now everyone's looking for some way to keep some story big. And then when we get bored, it's like it's not important anymore. Um, so I, I think that's a great movie. I, I love Billy Wilder and I'm glad that you put it onto your list because frankly, I think that that's a big thing that we can give to people is suggestions on what they should watch next. <laughs> and I will say that Spartacus himself is the star of this film. It is Kurt Douglas and he gives a great performance. My number one film is, uh, is actually came out in 2017. I knew what it was going to be the whole time. I know, I know it's Get Out. Yes, it is. It's Get Out. Of course you knew it. I knew it was Get Out. But Get Out is so 2017. Get Out embodies the concept that we are taking the voices away from minorities. But I think that this movie represents 2017. It was made in 2017. Um, I think that it is such an important film to watch. And it, although obviously it is an allegory that is specifically trying to talk about uh, black rights and what has happened to black people throughout history in a lot of ways by taking this horror comedy type concept and, and like, creating a, a metaphor that we can all get into. But I think that the movie is even more powerful than that. And I think all minorities can find truth inside of this movie. That was very nice. I, I'm glad that Get Out is on there. I think it's a fantastic, fun film. I think it's, uh, you know, one of the best sci-fi thrillers I've seen in a long time. I'm actually right now reading Gabriel Union's uh, We Mean, We Need More Wine. Um, and Gabriel Union, if you've, I'm trying to give you a face to her. Um, she is the the black cheerleader from Bring It On. Who doesn't she know who Gabrielle Union is? She's like an A-list star. Yeah. See, I don't know it because I asked like three people if they knew who that name was and they didn't know it right off the bat. So I was like, okay, let me describe her to you. Uh, she also is 
um, La- uh, Larissa Oliniak's best friend in 10 Things I Hate About You. So I'm reading her book right now and it's fascinating because she talks about playing these different roles. She grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood in LA and then in the summer she went to her predominantly black neighborhood in Omaha where there was a lot of a lot of crime and it, they are two different worlds and she felt she never fit into either world. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, I mean, it's just fascinating. I could talk about this book forever. I love Get Out. I think there are very strong, powerful messages in it. Um, I went with a different film about racism called Higher Learning by John Singleton as my number one. And it is all about college students and where they learn to hate. And it shows every piece of that. So it shows that the black people hate the white people. The white people are afraid of the black people. They show that the vulnerable white guy is persuaded by a Nazi hate group. Um, they, they show all these different angles and it all takes place in a college of learning. And I love the, I love these ideas of learning to hate, uh, these movies where these are not necessarily people who would hate that way, but they're forced into it. I'm not going to say you're forced into it. Nobody is forced into learning to hate anyone. What I'm saying is that in this film, it is shown. I don't that know. These I think I disagree. Are. I think people are forced into hating and they break out of it when they don't hate because I think. I just don't want to say on this podcast, you, your, as in the right. listener, because I don't think the listener does. No, but I think society puts a lot more hate into our hearts than than we want to have in our hearts. I, I'm with you because there's, you know, there's fears of other minorities uh, and there are people who like, hey, you know who I fear? 35 years old, I'm afraid of a group of teenagers. I don't know if you're black, you're white, you're, I don't care. If you're on like one side of the street being really loud, for some reason my 35-year-old ass now crosses the street. And that is what? probably, yeah, I'm like, I don't want anything to deal with this. If they're going to give me a hard time or anything, I'm just going to cross the street. And it, what? It, they're, it they're teenagers. All they're the not like, now. what? It happens all the time on my street because I'll like walk out and they're knocking over trash cans or something. And I'm like, I don't need to deal with this today. And I like walk across the street. You gotta, you should, you should like confront that, like. They're just probably bored and having fun and they probably want to avoid you as much as you want to avoid them. But you were a teenager. So like, you can't be afraid of these people. I don't know. You're right. Like they probably, there is probably no big deal. Uh, I don't know. It's this weird thing that has recent, I've recently noticed. So you're probably right. I should probably just like stay on the side of the street. And if they do something, be like, what the fuck? But, uh, but yeah, I, I caught myself doing that a couple days ago and I was like, wow. So just teenagers in general, I don't want to be around. <laughs> okay. So we've got our list. I don't need to dive deeper into higher learning. All, all of these movies we've talked about, you should definitely see. Uh, and I, I do think they all in some way demonstrate the year of 2017, but I will say that get out should probably be the forefront of this list because Get Out for me has a very special place at uh, the top of 2017. Yeah, it kicked off 2017, really. And that was another thing. It really kicked it off. Uh, This is a a prominent comedic black man kind of making his debut with a stance. And I I love that. So I'm going to give you Get Out at number one. Will you give me higher learning at number two? Yeah. My only question is, do we want to tackle 
different issues with each of our picks. Yes. Yes, we do. Like if we're putting together the top of 2017, maybe that's the way we approach it. Yeah, we want to do that. So I would then, I would take higher learning out then. You should still see higher learning. Yeah, Uh, it looks really good. Like it looks like a fantastic movie. You've got like such crazy, amazing actors. Omar Epps, um, Christy Swanson, Jennifer Connelly, Ice Cube. So yeah, it looks awesome. Lawrence Fishbourne. I think Wag the Dog is probably a really good one to put at number two. Okay, yeah, I like that. Um, and then what was your other one? My other one was Dave. Um, See, maybe we, maybe we take Dave out and put um, put higher. Well, no, because that's another. What if we put um, what if we put Roger Dodger there instead of Ace in the Hole? I like because that. Wag I think the that's Dog a nice, kind of well-rounded skews list. Use the media as well in the same way that Ace in the Hole does. Yep. Uh, and then Roger yeah, Dodger. Yeah, I think kind I of, think that's a great list for 2017. Yeah, because that way we have Roger Dodger talking about uh, you know sexual boys assault. learning about sexual assault. Yeah, learning behavior about disrespecting uh, the other gender or people other than you in general. Wag the dog, which is so obviously Trump centric. Yep, and then get out at the number one with the racist issues. Uh, I think those three things are the embodiment of 2017. So I, I like that. Let's let's cut that in. So why don't you uh, start us off? Number three, Roger Dodger. Number two, Wag the Dog. And the number one movie to represent 2017 is Get Out. I love it. Let's spend some time in talking about the fact that this is going to be our last new episode until the new year. We'll be back sometime in January. TBD exactly when. Um, Maybe February. We don't know. It could be anytime. Definitely early in the year. And I think definitely we can get our first episode out in January. Definitely the first quarter. Um, so one of the things I thought, why don't we like give you a little teaser? Like, what are the things that you can look forward to if you tune in again next year? Me kicking Ivana's ass in series survival. You could totally look forward to that. I feel like the world and the future will tell us you do not have a crystal ball and it's too early to be counting your chickens. My chickens have been laying some pretty prophetic eggs. We're also going to be doing our annual top 10 best lists for television and for movies. I can't wait. You can look forward to that. We, we're going to be spending our time off feverishly making sure that we watch everything that we need to watch so that we have a good representation and we can tell you a true top 10 list that you can use. That's right. All these people who are making top 20, top 10 lists now and they haven't even like seen the post, we're going to get on it. This is, this is important to us. Exactly. And obviously like TV shows as well. We have over the year been watching new shows and categorizing where we, they would fall for us. Uh, you know, we're obsessive about making our list and I am so excited to building my definitive top 10 list. I just saw Star Wars. It may or may not be on there by the end of the year, but I, you know, it's, it's could be, could be. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we're going to continue going forward in categorized and I'm hoping we can reach to the letter Z. We'll see. It'll depend. But uh, given that we started at mid-year this year, I think we'll get there. So we're at I right now. So how many more do we have to go? 
17. Yeah, okay. I think we can do that by the end of the year. Yeah. Season two, baby. Season two. It's going to be great. You better listen. In my day, we just called them their interwebs, the paper. So this guy named Justin Baldoni launched a web uh, series. Just, just so you guys all know, Justin Baldoni plays Raphael in um, Jane the Virgin. So he's like a huge time star. Huge time. Oh, see? There you go. That's important to know because I have not been watching Jane the Virgin. And I would have said that not knowing it. And that would have been bad. That would have led to bad things. So... I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, He created a new web series called Man Enough, and it it questions gender norms and kind of he wants to build this place where dudes can talk to each other about changing what masculinity actually means. And he is kind of like he's a big dude. Like as a guy, I'd be like, yeah, that's a macho dude. But uh, you know, it's interesting that I think these this way, and that's really what the series is all about. Where the hell did that come from? They ask themselves, what does it really mean to be a man? And, and what does society tell us men should be? But what is the reality inside of people's minds? And uh, there are also scenes where Justin Baldoni um, speaks and shares coffee with a so like a sociologist. Um, and they discuss this perspective from a little bit more of an educational stance, the world of, of education, the world of doing studies, studying humans and all that kind of stuff. Right. So they, they go in there and they talk actually a lot about how men can feel really comfortable to talk about sports and to display emotions when it comes to sports, but it's actually really stifling because they're not talking about real issues. They feel like it would be, they, you know, like sports is the mask that we wear. Um, you're talking about sports as a way to, um, a, a way to not talk about yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I do the exact same thing with my friends, except most of the time it's movies. Um, and there, there's not a, like if you went through my phone and looked at all the guys I'm talking to, everything is probably pretty surface. I'll go golfing with a couple of guys and come back at the end of the day and Becky will be like, so how are they? And I'm like, oh, they're fine. And then she'll say, well, what's going on with with, you know, Iggy and Megan? How are they doing? And I'll be like, I, I don't know. I I don't know. Well, how's Iggy's parents? I, I'm sure they're good. What I we didn't talk about that. We talked about golf. We talked about the movies we saw. We talked about the TV shows we watched. We talked about the sports that maybe I saw with someone. We talk about you know what restaurants we've had, or we've eaten at recently. We don't. You know, one of the interesting things about this show is there's a real attempt to force some sort of larger conversation, and I don't know if. Everyone is equipped to do that. I could not do that with probably 75% of the people I know. I think that they are not, they're really trying to shed a light on the fact of exactly what you're talking about. You clearly are a product of the society that you were brought up in. And they're trying to say that that isn't natural to men 
That's what our society forces upon men. And it's really stifling. It's like it puts men in a in an, a jail in a way. It takes away their voice. Well, maybe for you and I, we are people who have a podcast. We're people who, you know, we talk. We do talk a little bit about movies and, and the superficial stuff we're talking about. Maybe in the new year, we think about designing a new segment that explores feminine femininity and masculinity and the tropes that come with societal wants and see if there's a way to get through that. I I think the real way to do that, the real true way is by raising people who aren't going with the societal norms. Like I can talk to, to anybody and open up to anybody uh, who is, going through something but for somebody not to tell me they're going through something i i won't i won't bring it up yeah you're afraid to be vulnerable because being vulnerable is uh we're taught by society that vulnerability is a feminine which i I don't know if i think that's necessarily true um but b that it is weakness but Like, and I don't remember because I've seen there's two episodes, well, part one and part two of of a first episode. Um, And I don't remember which one they talked about it in, but they mentioned that vulnerability, we feel so scared to be vulnerable with others. um, But it's really, you become powerful when you are willing to be vulnerable. You really gain power, true power. Um, and I think that that is so true. And, and I think shows like this are really important. And for me, they are a part of feminism. I think it's going to take parents changing the way that they raise their kids. I think anytime, uh, anytime a coach or a father or a peer says, suck it up, man up toughen up. I think that's a problem. And I think that that has been the societal norm for so long for people, for guys who are in authority of other guys that it starts with men raising men differently. And that's going to be really, really hard. Um, I see it's interesting. I think it's really easy. I think it's, just becoming aware of of what's true and what is forced on us um, and choosing to act differently. Like, let's start with just fighting in general. Just fighting. I've never been in a fight. Well, no, that's not true. I've been in, like, schoolyard fights. But I've never, like, after I was the age of 18 and could actually do some damage that was not, like, children damage, never been in a fight. And I have been told that that is not manly or you know you are you're a coward for not doing that and i'm like well no i feel like i'm smart for not doing that because after 19 i'm i can go to jail for those things and i'd rather not do those things um i i think it's a but, problem that like it's horrible that you were in that while you were in school i'm sorry that you had to experience that that I had to fight in school. Oh my God. I had to fight almost every day, but those were like 
childhood silliness that was like but that's not childhood silliness that's training that's teaching you that you're supposed to be violent i i'm real i feel horrible that you experienced that i'm sorry but it was just a part of like that was just a part of life for me growing up being bullied like there was no you know and i'd go to a teacher and a teacher would say suck it up and it was always a guy teacher who said that Anytime there was a woman, they would they would be like, okay, well, come over here and play over here, like if they're trying to hurt you or whatever. But see, uh, that's that's a problem. That's that a problem is a with problem. society. And this is what I'm saying is that those people who are men need to change before I like I don't know if like I can do it, but I am one guy. My kid is gonna see a bajillion guys. And yeah, I but can only control what I can show him. Okay, think about it this way. My mom raised me to really be independent and a free thinker and not to worry about what others are doing. And I was around a lot of people that told me I should be this, that, or the other. And I, because of my mom, I, I don't feel that I need to be that way. And I can see the difference. So I don't think it matters everyone around you. And and it's obviously not just you because, you know, man enough is proving to you that there are other men who are probably, I mean, based on our conversations, even more enlightened than where you are at this moment. And like, simply out of the fact that I think you are very comfortable with that surface level chat. And I don't think that you want to go beyond it where... I mean, certainly there are certain situations, right? Like you don't always want to be having deep conversations with everyone, but. No, no. And um, honestly, when it, like, for example, Becky's family are a family of deep conversations. My family is a family of keep it in. It's not a, like, we're not going to have these deep conversations. My mother, yes. My father, probably not. And, and so I've, and Adam and I are light years different because Adam moves towards my dad's way of thinking and I move more towards my mother's way of thinking. It's interesting that you are putting those like that, that like you're showing and the same gender norms. Like it's, it's fascinating because that's a lot. Man enough talks a lot about that, about, you know, relationships of dads and sons and. It, absolutely. It does. Uh, but when I go to, you know, if I go to Becky's family and there's something big going on in the family, we talk about it as a family and I will bring my experiences and my whatever ideas and thoughts to the forefront. Um, but there's also one other problem I find with guys. And I've, I've learned this by being in a relationship for five years. Guys really like to problem solve. And women like to well and i shouldn't generalize but i have noticed having conversations with the people i can open up with that a lot of the times we try to solve problems instead of actually listening to our counterparts so when we have these large conversations i'm very quick to go to the well how about this this or this when really we're just having a conversation about feelings and I'm not used to that yet. Right. Um, and, and I don't, 
I don't know that having a conversation about feelings is the point of the world. I think the point of the world is to just get to the truth of the matter. So, of course, I always go back to movies in my brain. But while watching this, I was thinking about the role models for men in film. And one of the go-to guys with every guy I've ever talked to is Rocky Balboa. And I think it's really interesting that we go back to Rocky Balboa as a character, as... As people remember him as the guy who beat up people in a boxing ring, but we forget about that first movie and how insanely vulnerable that Rocky is as a character throughout the whole film. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He tries to help people. He talks about deeper issues going on with him, how he feels about, uh, you know, Adrian and Polly and their relationship and how he is this guy who is constantly vulnerable, but also has this boxing macho guy job. And I thought it was interesting in my brain, thinking about how every guy I know loves Rocky. And it's maybe the type of person that we're trying to be that we can't be. You're right. Probably the vulnerability and the bravery of, of, Rocky is what men are really identifying with and wanting to connect to. But I think that this is a really great show. I think Justin Baldoni is is fantastic to have launched this. He's got a whole bunch of episodes coming out, um, including one titled Me Too. I think that you guys should absolutely check out his uh, webpage. I think you should watch the show, whether you are male, female, anything. Um... It's really important, and uh, we link to it in our show notes. This is Top Drawer TV. We watched Broad City this week, and we asked you to watch along with us. So let's unpack this show a little bit. Broad City follows two Jewish New Yorkers as they try to scrounge through their day-to-day jobs that they don't like with people that they don't like. In the first episode, we saw the two girls, Abby and Alana, want desperately to go to a a concert and cut loose. The only problem is they don't have any money. When Alana doesn't get her paycheck, she steals stationery and sells it back at the office supply store for a store credit of $138. And they buy some weed with it. We also meet Abby's roommate's horrible boyfriend who mooches her food and does nothing to clean their apartment. The rest of the first episode has the girls going to do odd jobs to make money so that they can have an awesome time at this concert. Like uh, cleaning for an hour in their underwear while this rando dude just like creeps all over them. When he doesn't pay them, they have, they, they, make a mess rather than break anything and storm out of his house. It's actually kind of hilarious. And then they go get drunk. Uh, The second episode is is sort of more of the same, except this time they're high for the whole episode. Yeah. Both girls really want to feel like grownups. Abby is buying her own weed and Alana is doing her own taxes. Uh, When doing her own taxes seems too difficult... They go to this candy shop where Alana breaks a veneer on a massive jawbreaker. And then the rest of the second episode is a series of realizations that confirm how not grown up they are. And uh, with Alana making out with her dentist, dude she's screwing, um, 
Because he's not, he he gave her the dental work for free. Yeah, and while they're making out, Ilana tries to pull Abby into some sort of threesome. I think that's a, a running gag throughout this entire series is how Ilana will get Abby in bed with him, uh, with her and her lover. Yeah, I think one of my favorite parts from the first episode is they're having this like video chat and then all of a sudden Abby realizes that Ilana is literally having sex with him at that moment while video chatting. And has to explain that there are boundaries. I never want to see this. Yeah, <laughs> could you, could exactly. you not? Uh, so what did you think of the episodes? Um, They were like amusing and funny, but like not as good as I was hoping. Yeah, I think I was hoping for more. I also, you know, I also think I might be... I don't want to say past because I'm sure there's going to be stuff that's like super silly like this that I'm not past. Like I loved the night before with the main star in this who plays Alana. Yeah. Uh, she shows up in it and I loved her role in that. But for some reason, I'm just like, you two make no money. Why are you two living a, like this life? Get your shit together. I I like that they don't have their shit together. I just think that the comedy is like almost great, but then not. I don't know. Like I can't describe exactly what it is that doesn't hit with me quite in that perfect way, but I love that they don't have their shit together. I think they're such a perfect representation of what it is to like be a grown-up cuz like I don't think there is such a thing as being a grown-up. And maybe I missed it, but are they like struggling artists or something why aren't they more no they're like just they're, like they're, people who are like ah oh, shit like they they just finished school and like you're supposed to be an adult but like what the fuck does that mean and they're just trying to make their way in life but really all they want to do is goof off get high party go to concerts they just don't want to be productive members of society yeah i guess i just never it's like two Georges. Yeah, it's like two Georges. Yeah. Who, yeah. That's a great way to put it. I guess <laughs> I just never like, I never experienced this kind of lifestyle ever. And Yeah, I, you didn't go I'm, away to I'm, school or anything, right? So I never went away to school. I didn't move out until I had like a job that would pay for all the things I wanted to do when I moved out. And like there was never a moment where I, I was okay, I guess I should, you know, go to someone's house in my underwear and clean it in the hope that I get $100. I mean, I I, I just want to say I loved that scene in particular. That scene was because pretty great. And I think it was Fred Armisen who like- It was. Kind of elevated it. Yeah, well, I think the whole thing was great. He was amazing. He just like creeped them out and it was just so fun. Um and and then he like drops his pants to show that he's wearing a diaper and calls himself a baby. Like too funny. Um, yeah, it and, was really funny. And then they have this really absurd breakdown where they're like, we cleaned your house for an hour. We don't even clean our houses for an hour. And rather than like doing what I would have done, like I'm seeing vases, I'm seeing breakables, I'm seeing things that are like worth money. I would totally have like gone ape shit on that stuff. Instead, they like gently pour over a bowl with like marbles to make a I mess, know. but nothing's <laughs> broken. Like nothing is at all broken. <laughs> like the strange. least consequences ever. <laughs> uh, 
there was a sort of funny scene where they're at the dentist's office and she is high as a, one of them is high as a kite. And she's asked how many children she has. And she does this like death roll away. <laughs> like it yeah, was just a like, really high. great bit of physical <laughs> comedy. But also I'm like, well, like you're so high right now. Like, why are you in a dentist's office right now? This is just so bizarre. What do you and mean she's in the never... dentist office because Alana is getting her tooth fixed? Totally, totally. But I like if my buddy did that, I'd be like, "You're on your own, man." <laughs> but these no, guys are such good friends, and I love that. Yeah, like this show is all about not being on your own. That's one of the things I like about it. Where, see, for example, for me, that physical comedy when she did that death roll, I was like, "Oh, well, now that that's not that funny to me for some reason." Oh, I thought it was like, "Oh, she's like a slug," and like this is. This is actually fun. And then I love how they added the line by the kid who was like, I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, neither have I. That was actually pretty funny. I mean, you're right. You you totally nailed it. I think the problem is I I didn't find that amusing, like the physical comedy of it. Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the things I would if I kept going, which I don't think I will, but if I kept going with the show, I think the uh the threesome thing would be like make me laugh almost every time. Uh, and I really laughed a lot at the asshole roommates or the roommates asshole boyfriend. I have to stipulate we have not met the roommate at this point, just the asshole boyfriend. And he's from Marry Me, right? He does look familiar. You're right. I think he was in Marry Me. Yeah. I When I saw him, I was like, oh, he's in this. And then he's just the worst person in the world. Yeah. Again, Although I found him amusing, I felt like he got too much screen time. I could have used less of him. I, I Actually, think that- we, we glossed over it, but there was a moment when she saw, I guess, like Abby saw her crush in the hallway, and we never saw that again in the in the first or second episode after that. Right. I think that'll come back. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the show is like almost great. Uh, I, I don't really have a lot that I don't like in particular, but I think that, to be honest, for me, I think they don't know when to get in and get out of a joke. Like, things just yeah. keep going a little too long, and so, then it becomes not that funny anymore. So what would you rate it? Hmm. Probably like a 3.5. Oh, I wouldn't go that high. I think I'm I'm a solid like two and a half out of five, probably. So it like failed, it, like it just it, barely passed. It just barely That's 50%. passed. It, it didn't land with me. I think it's good enough to have while you're doing other things on in the background, but I don't think it would hold my attention to sit down and like actually turn it on every week. I think that's part of the issue also. I think the best jokes in it, you have to be paying attention to get. That's true. So as a background show, you'd only get the shitty parts of the show and you'd miss all the genius. And maybe that's what it is that I don't like about it. Now, I think you've really hit the nail on the head. Like the great jokes are the ones you have to pay attention to watch, but there's so much that I don't really want to watch that I ha- that is being fed to me. There's four seasons of this show. If you haven't seen it and you want to give it a try and... Make it to the end, but uh, I'm I'm tapping out on this one. Can I ask you a question? You may. Uh, do you watch Workaholics? No. What? No, no, no. Uh, sorry, I was for a second. I was like, is that IT crowd? And I was like, no, 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 not that. So, so no, no, I don't watch Workaholics. Sorry. 
I, I think that workaholics, because I've seen a few episodes of that show as well, and this show have a similar humor. They're both hugely successful. Um, I'm like meh on the humor of both. Um, what is your favorite comedy on television today? I'm so bad at favorites, so I'm just going to pick what comes to my head right now. My favorite comedy on TV right now is The Good Place. So to watch a comedy like The Good Place that is very, very like anything can happen kind of thing, to come to Broad City, I don't know. Like I, I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just trying to give you an idea of what it is making me laugh on a weekly basis right now. And Broad City, for me, felt it feels like... I don't know. Five years ago, a little bit. Well, the first season was five years ago. Oh shit, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> if I had gotten into it then, it would have been perfect. It feels like like Louis C.K. kind of like his show Louis, uh, more than yeah. anything else, a little to me. And that's why I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I liked it when he did it. Not, I'm not endorsing Louis C.K. and his harassment. I'm just saying I watched that show once. Um, but I am saying that like this show reminds me of that where now I'm watching shows like the good place where anything can absolutely happen, uh, because they've got this premise that is off the charts bizarre where you can make a Jason Manzoukas boyfriend come out of nowhere and be like, just turn around an episode. I don't know that show. I, I didn't give it a chance. And then I, I was told by like four or five people, you got to give it another chance. Like, and I made it through season one. And now I think it's like one of the greatest shows on TV. I, I actually really like the show now that it's in season two. Uh, I think it's come into its own in, in season two. Totally. Um, it's way better than season one. So there you go. Uh, that is broad city. So we have a couple recommendations cause we're not going to give you any homework before. Hey, oh shit, I know next... what my favorite comedy is right now. What motherfucker? We just passed that part. I know, I'm sorry. I'm bringing it back. Speechless. Speechless is oh, speechless awesome. Speechless is a, is, is a wonderful comedy. Yeah, I love Speechless. Minnie Driver. Man, she found her role, eh? Oh, she... And and the guy from Big Bang Theory is so good as the dad. I just... It's oh, such a I good know. show. Uh, okay, so... Thank you for saying that. So we're not going to give you any homework because we're coming back in 2018 and we're going to let you have your holidays. But we thought, hey, what are some recommendations that we can leave you with that you can watch over your break? And uh, I've got a couple movies. I don't know if uh, if Ivana, you do, or if you have some TV shows that you'd recommend. But I would say uh, straight out of the gate, if you haven't seen The Lost City of Zed... That is one that is, it's a heavy drama adventure movie. Okay, and it's I think pronounced you Lost City of Z. There's like a cadence to it. I get that you're Canadian, but that's still pronounced Lost City of Z. Okay, whatever. I'm just, I'm pretty sure in the movie they call it Zed. So that's why I called it Zed. Well, I guess I'm going to have to watch it and then I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would recommend The Lost City of Z or Zed, depending on where you are in the world. And also, um, it, so it's it's basically like a drama that's a period piece. There's no homework to pick up. It's about the guy who went into the Amazon for the first time to discover the tribes. And it sort of reminds me of Dancing with the Wolves, if you like that sort of thing. 
Um, it riveted me throughout. It's got Charlie Hunnam. It's got Robert Pattinson and uh, like Robert Pattinson, as far as I'm concerned right now can do no wrong. He's doing really, really well with the movies he's choosing. Uh, so that would be one of my recommendations for movies. So you got a, you got a TV show that you'd recommend to these folks. Well, I was going to go with movies. We can go to TV shows after. Um, if you haven't seen the big sick, you're like, you got to go see the big sick. It, it's ha- have to see. You the big need sick. to go and watch the big sick. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's fun and it's funny. Okay. Yeah. No, it's good to leave it at that. Ignore the Golden Globes because they ignored the fucking Big Sick. So right now I'm boycotting those things because the, the Big Sick is amazing. They uh, they didn't nominate the Big Sick? Nope. I think it got like maybe screenplay, but nothing for actor. And an actor? And uh, Ansor Elzin or whatever from Baby Driver got a nomination. But uh, give me a hand with his name. Kamal. Did not. That's fucked. I agree. That is fucked. Uh, I also want to recommend... I want to recommend Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. I just finished this a couple days ago. And if we want to get to a place in the world where there is like no racism, it starts with this movie. Because it's literally about a white kid and a black kid who are best friends. They they became friends because of friend because their humor is the same. And the whole point of the movie is the evil principals trying to break up their friendship and they will not have that. And it is delightful and I love it. They never address race. They just are like best friends and you root for them the whole film. Um, it's got like 89% on rotten tomatoes, but somehow people forgot that this movie came out and I thought it was super fun. Um, another fun movie that I feel like probably most people won't see, so I'm just gonna recommend it. Happy Death Day. It's yeah, really I haven't seen it yet. Fun. It's I mean, you know, like it's not gonna win any Oscars. It's not gonna be in the Golden Globes, and it shouldn't. Don't get me wrong, but it's really fun and it's well done, and it's all about learning to be a better person. So it's a fun, fun movie. And then there's Wind River that is not a fun, fun movie, but it's exceptional. And it stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen and it takes place on a native reserve. And it's a very important message of a film about the the native women who are, you know, on these reserves go missing a lot. And it's a, it's a murder mystery film. It's shot so well. It is also some of the most insane violence I've seen in a while. It's by the by a group of people who worked on Hell or High Water. So if you enjoyed that one, this is definitely another one to see. Again, this is out on uh, video or you know streaming wherever you get your movies. It is available now. What's the name what of it again? Oh, the name is Wind River. Wind River. And then what is what about TV shows? What what should people start watching? Um. All right, TV Land. It, you know, I got to take it back a little bit. I think. You need to be, first of all, go back and watch Me, Myself, and I. I get it. They're going to cancel it. (gasps) Oh my God. I love you right now, Ivana. I love you so much for saying that. Because I think when we talked about it, you were like, 
This show looks like it's a one-trick pony, but it's so much heart. I love that show. We've talked about it a whole bunch. We both love that show. We've had numerous conversations about loving that show. I know, but I think when we did series survival, you a little bit were like, I don't know how far they can go with this. It'll be renewed. I mean, it, it was canceled. It's one of the ones that I got right and you did not. Yeah, so I, I thought it would be renewed for sure, Just, but it, it was so good. I think it was maybe the best new comedy of the season, and they canceled it. So, I mean, they've only released six episodes. There's another six that they filmed that will come out at some point, um, but I recommend watching those six. They're so worth it. Um, the Orville, I think The Orville is fantastic, and... What I think I'm beginning to like see in the Orville that I'm getting more and more excited about is they're really tackling those gray issues and showing and proving that, you know, there isn't a perfect future for humanity to be evolved in because things are a little bit complicated and gray for us all. Uh, One that came out at the beginning of the year, a lot of people miss. It's an FX show, Legion. There's a lot going on in Legion. Yeah, I was just, that was another one that I was going to recommend. Legion, oh, definite recommendation. Uh, And because I work at FX uh, here in Canada, or I help distribute it, which I guess is now a part of Disney. Don't know how that's going to work, but I do know plot points for season two, and you're going to want to watch season one so that you know what's happening for season two. Um, Aubrey Plaza is like, in, amazing in it. I I became a huge fan of her just from her performance in this. Um, and I gotta say, you need to watch The Handmaid's Tale. I think oh, that if you haven't got on that, what the hell? Yeah, like if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. And to end on a light note, watch Glow. Netflix's Glow is just fun and great and an awesome show. And I'm gonna recommend Netflix's Big Mouth which is also really light and super weird. Uh, and it's animated, so it's uh, it's not for kids. It's do not watch Big Mouth with kids. But it's a lot of fun. All right, and that is our show. Please be sure to tune in again next year when we're back with an all-new season. If you'd like to support the show, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop on iTunes or any podcast service and give us a quick rating and review. And over the holidays, why don't you go back through our back catalog if you haven't already. There's tons of episodes and we dive into all kinds of different topics through the course of the year that you might enjoy. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you, so reach out on our website, morethanmovies.net. Or you can email us, hello, at morethanmovies.net. We're on Facebook. It's uh, More Than Movies Podcast. You can also catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. And I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again in the new year with an all-new season. And until then, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>